Welcome to the On Stage with Wellness podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Gina. We are performers turned certified health coaches who help artists reclaim their power and take intentional action in their life. Whether you are a performer who is tired of feeling burnt out, wants more control over your career, or you're looking for more support around your health and well-being, this podcast is for you. Tune in each week to get holistic lifestyle and nutrition tips for a sustainable career as a performer, practical tools to handle rejection, competition, and perfectionism, and inspiration and advice from experts walking the walk in the industry. Get ready to feel energized, confident, and fully in charge of you on and off the stage. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the On Stage with Wellness podcast. Today, we have a fabulous guest. Um, his name is Nick Callis. He is a stand-up comedian, actor, rapper, illustrator, writer, director, and alumni of NYU Tisch Dramatic Writing. Nick plays in major comedy clubs across the country, including the world-famous Comedy Cellar and Caroline's on Broadway. He has created short-form content for Comedy Central, Elite Daily, and Rizzle. He's headlined the Rhode Island Comedy Festival, Hoboken Comedy Festival, and the 2019 New York Comedy Festival. Nick has created a series of original one-minute characters for 121 consecutive days, along with his celebrity impressions and fictional character service provider series that has garnered over 1 million views on TikTok. Whoa. Hey, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, man. Welcome. How is it hearing your bio being read to you? I feel like it always seems like, oh, who is that? Is that me? You know, as I was doing all of those things, I was thinking one day someone is going to read these in succession. (laughs) It'll be be an amazing moment. It was us. I'm so happy we could do that for you. (laughs) Well, Nick is uh, someone I know who uh, he's friends with my with my boyfriend, Isaac. Uh, They kind of grew up around the same area. So that's how I know. That's how I know you. We used to, you know, run into each other at Starbucks before you left us. I know. So still feel bad about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know you and I'm super excited to get to know you. Um, cause we've never had a comedian on the show, so that's pretty exciting for us. So I guess my first question would be what made you want to be a comedian and what led you to this path? Okay. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm right for it. No pressure. What made me want to be a comedian? Oh God. My answers are going to be so grossly just not to the point and like that's okay. okay ready every path well, is a good path that's questionable but um <laughs> okay you know what it is so when i was younger i had a real connection to comedy in a way that i could tell that it was different from the way other people connected other kids connected to comedy and different from the way I observed other, you know, movies and TV and music. There was something about comedy that was like very specific to me. I think it was that like, it felt almost like I kind of understood it or, or it understood me in a way. There was just this thing that was really familiar. And I was uh, actually a very, very quiet um, introverted child. Uh Danielle oh, wow. mentioned, yeah, unbelievably so. Um, like, ask my my mom will tell you she was like until he was like 
11 years old, all he would do is just sit and draw. Like, you know, she'd come <laughs> like check on me at, at, I'd be like six or seven. She'd come check on me and I'd be drawing. And then she'd come an hour later, I'm still drawing. And like six hours would go by. And I wouldn't lift my head up, just drawing. Um, <laughs> you must have been a really good drawer. Uh, I, I like to think so. I hope so. I mean, until I was 17, the only thing I ever thought about doing for my, and wasn't even thought about, I was hell bent on becoming a comic book artist. I knew mm. I that's why wanted, you and Isaac, you know, bond. Yeah, yeah. That's why you and Isaac are yeah. such good friends, right? He was like my mentor. Cause him and my older brother, they're the same age and they were best buddies when they were little. And so Isaac was my older brother's friend who was like the comic book guy. Because my older brother loved comics and stuff, but Isaac was the guy that you could be like, you know, what's the when was the last time Spider Man shaved? And he'll be like, issue 324. You know, like he just <laughs> was a guru. And I was like so amazed by it. Um, and so, like, what as he got older, and I would, you know, my mom and his and his mom were close and we would bump into each other all the time. And I would always keep tabs on how it was going with him, just kind of secretly vying to one day make him my mentor which kind of Aww. sort of started to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I applied to school of visual arts to, to major in comic book drawing, which is where Isaac went. And um, at this, at the same time, I had also been just kind of creatively exploding. Like I was doing the theater program at school and I was writing my own little funny scenes and, and then the, the school of visual arts asked me to have a portfolio, just like one, sequential story and I just decided I would make it a comedy a comedy comic book so I was writing a script that was funny and I really got obsessed with the idea of joke writing and started to like pay more attention to stand-up and sketches and stuff like that and it was something that had always been my thing like I think if you knew me when I was younger or in high school or middle school if you knew me you probably thought I was funny or you didn't like me and you thought I was obnoxious, but it was always like for the purpose of being funny. So when I, you know, when I was really young, I was like obsessed with Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy and, and constantly doing impressions of anything that I liked and um, was, had a knack for impressions. And I think that was one thing that helped Mm. me realize, okay, there's something to this that is different from other people quoting movies or, you know, being in a group of friends in like sixth grade and like, you know, everyone's kind of passing the ball conversationally, just talking. I pretty quickly realized like, okay, well, when I'm telling a story, there's like a different thing happening and people seem to like when I do it and they sort of pass me the ball. And this, this is like where my value lies. Whereas Mm. it, I was so badly, I wanted to be the best athlete. And then like, there are so many things I've tried really hard at and was, and really loved, but it was never easy. And comedy was the one thing that I could, it, it wasn't up to me. Like I, mm-hmm. I am funny. I, it's just like in my DNA, it's a Dave Chappelle. I always quote Dave Chappelle's quote where he said, um, comedy is a language I speak fluently. And I say that not to like self aggrandize, but I just understand things through comedy. I process things through comedy and it's just how I relate to the world. Like, you know, when I'm, if I bump into somebody and we're chatting or whatever, if I, if I talk for long enough, like I will make someone laugh. It's just, it's just my language. It's just how I, so I, I kind of realize all these things pretty early on. 
and then uh started going for it so like i started doing stand-up at around like 17 when i was in high school i would take the bus in Wow. Uh, and go do open mics and stuff. I got a fake oh, ID. Oh, wow. At 17? That's so mm-hmm. young. We said he got a fake ID. He just... Yeah. Oh. I got a fake ID so I could go to bars and do stand-up. I love that. That's oh hysterical. We that don't is. recommend you do that, audience, but... No, don't do <laughs> it. That was his journey. That was my journey. Or do it if you feel really called to it. No, you should do it. You should do it because you... Well, you're doing something illegal, but anyway. I mean, it's definitely illegal. I mean, I had a fake idea, but, so I'm not going to pretend who, like, I'm like, most I'm like kids, an all innocent person because I'm not. <laughs> most kids are getting a fake idea to like yeah. get trashed. Right. Uh, I mean, yours no. was weird career aspirations, like a little different. A little different. I think you should. Uh, the thing is, comedy specifically, anything in the arts really is going to be so goddamn hard mm. that when you're at the onset, you have to elect to just you have to accept all of the challenges in in the biggest baddest hardest form possible because you can't play it safe you won't get very far and you won't know like the the real thing that happens over time with the experience is that you just kind of get more resilient and you figure out what you need what you like um, because not every path in comedy is the same. You, know, you can be a touring stand-up comedian. You can be a comedian who never leaves New York City. You can realize you want to be an actor. You can realize you want to be an improviser. And then there's just like a million different sort of sub-genres and paths that you can take. And so you kind of have to try everything when you're starting out. And you have to you have to bite off more than you can chew. You have to like, you know, be willing to drive four hours to do a show on a Thursday night for, you know, 25 bucks. Like (laughs) it's hard. And I was lucky that I knew I wanted to go for it really young because I got a lot of those super hard years out of the way before I was even, you know, 22 years old. So like, I feel I've always felt really blessed that I like have always had a really close relationship to my passions and like a really keen understanding of what it is that I enjoy doing because a lot of people who are super talented, uh, they don't know. And I think it's just different circumstances in their life that maybe they never felt like they had permission to go for something permission from themselves, right? Like a big part of that's so good. Yeah, a big part of like going because I've been like going for exactly the thing I want for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And I and I pretty, pretty much knew exactly what I wanted for, you know, 15 years before that. And it almost it's you know, it's morphed and adapted and grown and been educated, but it never changed. That's like having an internal compass and like a real idea for what you want that you can then like base your, your life designs off of is like so necessary because if you don't have it, then you're, you'll only ever luckily get close to what you don't realize you want and find out you like it. And the odds of that happening are fucking almost zero because the odds of you getting what you want in life when you know exactly what it is are close to zero too. So you, I always think about like curiosity being like 
a key. And if you have, if you're curious about something, you have to, you have an obligation to yourself to follow it because if you're curious, it might lead you to being interested. And if you're interested, it might lead you to becoming passionate. And if you're passionate, then you're, then you're fine. That's enough. Yeah. We've talked about that, like leading into curiosity. Um, I mean, you know, one of the, the reasons like I wanted to have you on this podcast is because I think that you're so interesting because you are so determined and you are so driven on like that one thing. And that is like mm. driving you so intensely. And I mean, I see that because you're basically Isaac, but a comedian. So <laughs> <laughs> I literally live with it's this true. person. So <laughs> I understand kind of how your mind works, but it's so funny to me that you would want to <laughs> have me on your podcast. Because- <laughs> Why would you want to talk to Isaac again? <laughs> we love him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, you you and him, you both, you have this kind of like very intense mindset, which, you know, I don't think Gina and I necessarily were not exactly like that. So I think it's cool just to hear different perspectives. And I know that there's such a positive side to being that intense, but there's also such like kind of a dark side to it. So... I don't know. I kind of want to ask you like that, like what, what's the light side? What's the positive side to being that intense? And then what is the, I guess um, the thing is, it is like, um, it is who I am at such a core fundamental level that I've just kind of come to like agree with my, with my being with this is who I am. And this is, the uh, like career aspirations is like the most practical way to describe what we're talking about that drive. But like my identity and my, my just core foundation, like this, it is, it affects more than just my career uh, ambitions. It's, you know, it's what's motivating every choice I make and which feelings I follow. And so like the, the sort of dark side of that is that, when you know exactly why you are on planet earth uh almost every single thing that happens to you except the ones that you designed read as failure in your mind so the stakes of your life are so fucking high uh i don't agree with that i don't think that's how it should be and i don't think that that's right and actually the older i get and the more experience i get like i'm unpacking that and realizing how to be a little bit more go with the flow and not such a control freak but as far as like my own yeah path is concerned like i i do try to control and design everything because uh i know what makes me happy um and so rather than a kind of a, allowing myself to be content with some things and there's a degree of that that i have to do it's more about okay well how can i put that time into figuring out how to like build the exact life i want uh the thing so the the dark side of that is that you spend a lot of time being disappointed and a lot of time iterating and a lot of time being confused and a lot of time maybe even feeling defeated and maybe entitled and you know it's wanting something you don't have is not fun um but the positive side of it is that you're actually like never alone um you kind of just feel a comfortability Mm. and 
you have a partnership with yourself. You have this like complicit agreement that like you and me are in this and we are going to, this is why we're here. It's so anything that happens is it's all part of the deal here. Like we're just, I, I don't know. So it's like I have, a lot of trust. Like you really trust yourself. Yeah, I and trust. super duper trust myself. And I think like that was something That's that huge. that took a long time because I was a very, very horrified child for a really long time. It wasn't until I went to sleepaway camp and I had the worst separation anxiety from my mom and I couldn't huh. deal. I was just crying for two weeks. Uh, and the best moments of that were, you know, just occasionally being distracted enough to joke around with some of the other kids and realizing that, Oh, I'm funny. And like this, <laughs> when I'm laughing really hard or when I'm making people laugh really hard, I, I truly feel invincible. Like there's such a chemical adrenaline rush that like, I just don't, nothing upsets me. Nothing upsets me. And I've like, it's funny, man, like that. I have struggled with a lot of anxiety and, and uh, OCD in my life. And, you know, when I'm on stage, uh, I don't, it's not there. It's, re it's really, really magical and mind blowing. And like, I'm just unencumbered by a lot of the things that are like constantly plaguing my mental state. It almost feels freeing for you. And I just, there's so many nuggets that <laughs> there's so many things that you just said yeah. that I could pull out so many nuggets. I mean, starting from like using what you said with curiosity about how you explored all these different paths before you found out the exact main goal that you wanted to have. I think that is so important because yes, you said like a pro and con for having one main goal to focus on and how it deals with a lot of control and a lot of like perfectionism and failure. But I also think it's important to, to see both sides of that because it is very important to explore first and know exactly what you want and yeah. go for that one thing. So there is a balance and like, obviously no one's perfect at it, but um, it is important to, to know when you're trying to control the outcome too much. Yeah. Um, right. And when you have that one narrow focused goal that you're working on. So um, I commend you for really exploring like what you didn't realize was your path moving forward when you're at school, but you decided to explore it because you felt like it was something that was always in you and so natural yeah. for you. They, they also, they converge. And the things you think you want are directly influenced by uh, what, what you value most at that time. And mm -hmm. so when I wanted to be a comic book artist and had spent, you know, 15 years thinking this is where it's all going to end up and this is how I'm going to be happy and feel fulfilled... Um, Th that was because I had, I had valued the idea of myself as a successful comic book creator more than I did anything else. And so at some point, God bless you, honey, um, <laughs> at, at some point, um, this other thing, it was a really little uh, adulterous thing that started happening in my brain where I was like, well, I, I really like this other form of art also. And uh, soon enough, other artists who did, you know, multiple medium, like started to, you know, allow me to give myself permission to mm -hmm. do other things. 
but for a while I felt like I was cheating on myself with this other version of myself. And it was really hard to uh, come around to because in my mind, it meant that I was giving up on my dream. Yes. And I yes. was a failure. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was, it, oh man, I still think about that. And yeah. I'm so glad that I'm not that me anymore mm-hmm. because eventually it was this like, I mean, me now, artistically, it's this like big polyamory of like, I do this and I try to do it to the best of my ability and this and this and this, and it's all one thing. And I right. do feel that it is all one thing. Mm-hmm. But the the hardest Ending. part for me, the the hardest part for me uh, as like a 17 year old was um, knowing and feeling so compelled to tell jokes and to act and to, you know, make videos and, and also draw and write feeling so compelled to do each of them equally and feeling like they came from the same place, but already having made this agreement with myself that I would do nothing but become the best comic book artist. <laughs> and so I had to like break my own rule. Mm-hmm. Okay, Isaac. Be- because, yeah. <laughs> because of this other thing that I told myself was the most important thing. So all, all the things you want start to conflict with all the things that you have protected your previous wants by like increasing the value of so i have this bad habit of going like this is it this is the way this is the most important thing and nothing can ever trump this and then you know you start to change uh without realizing it Mm. just through experience and subconsciously other things become important to you and then you have to make a decision that like disagrees with you know previous plans you made for yourself and (laughs) so that for a really long time was like really hard. And then eventually I just realized it's actually, it was great. I was like, I, I can just do anything I want always. Yeah. And I can do as much of it as long as I do it as well as it can be done. Yeah. We do talk you- a lot. Sorry, go ahead. No, Dan. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We talk a lot about, um, cause what comes up for me when you say that, well, one, I love the word giving yourself permission because we talk about like defining our own success, defining our own version of success. And you took a version of success and that was the only version you were looking into. Um, and you had to give yourself permission to look outside of that. And I think for a lot of performers, it comes from an expectation that the industry has created for us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, yours came internally, I think a little bit more, but, I think for a lot of musical theater performers or people in our, um, you know, dance and and singing careers are very tied to, you know, one idea of being on Broadway or, you know, doing a national tour or, and nothing outside of that is a version of success. So we talk a lot about switching over that uh, mindset. And I think you do that very well. I mean, we can all work on it obviously, but um, I think you're very self-aware of that. Well, thanks. I hope so. <laughs> um, I did want to ask a question about you as a, a uh, comedic because you seem like this very insightful, deep thinker. And like for me, when I think of comedian, I think of like this goofball, super um, like corny, out there person. Yeah, to- totally on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but somebody, somebody who's on. No, but you're so yeah, like, I, you're so deep in like just intellectually thinking. Not that those comedians aren't, but um, just a different perspective for me. And I think it's something that's um, ingrained in my mind um, 
this maybe it's just a stereo like a, a stereotype. stereotype that's the that's what i was yeah. looking for I'm actually, i'd love to know I'm your comedic you. style yeah um well it's a really interesting thing you brought up too by the way first just because i um i think about this a lot uh a lot but to answer your question my style is it's so silly and it's so <laughs> it's honestly very big it's very physical nothing to me is more impressive or more more fun more fun than big physical comedy dance i dance a lot in my shows i you know, I yeah. will do splits and, and Horton hinges and <laughs> I just, I love it. I have to I'll send you Yeah, some I mean, I've seen but... Nick and he is, he takes up the whole stage. He just moves and he'll just like stand in this, in this dance and he's just like real energetic. That's yeah, what I, I, yeah. I love energy. I love like musicality, even if it's just physical. Like I, I, because in my mind, not only does that stuff make me laugh because it's so bizarre and you don't encounter it. And I want my show to be something that you can't see. Like if, if you know, when you buy tickets to a, a concert, it's because you can't just encounter live music of that caliber regularly. It's, it makes sense. You'd pay $75 for a ticket to that or whatever comedy. Most of the time, especially in New York, just the guy fucking saying some shit. And it's boring, yeah. even if it's brilliantly <laughs> observed. It's it's inherently not special. It's somebody talking. If you come to my show, what you should be encountering is some shit where you go to your friends after and you're like, what was that? If we met him at a bar, we'd be like, that guy was crazy. You know what I mean? It should be <laughs> fucking wild. Yeah. Um, and so I, I grew up on that. I found it to be the most valuable comedy because it it did the most um it was it it had so much packed into it again like robin williams jim carrey eddie murphy stuff like that uh so i gravitated towards it not because i wanted to replicate it but because it was in me like i mm. i recognized that i said oh that's me i that feels familiar mm. so that's where i think my style comes from on an even deeper level i think it comes from just this really um, deep desire to be larger than life and outside of, you know, the sort of status quo behavior. People mm -hmm. are very, you know, uh, polite, sort of <laughs> polite and subdued and uh, locked in. And but like we're fucking animals and we're creatures and like mm -hmm. you can do anything. Like you know, I just always find it funny that like. If you walk down the street, there's just a guy walking down the street. He and he looks at his watch like he doesn't even look at his watch like you know he doesn't even. We all just behave a very robotic way. Mm -hmm. And if you want, right now you could go outside and just like roll around, and nobody does that. You could you're, you're you could do whatever you want. <laughs> like yeah. at any point, you could do whatever you want. You could just take a carrot and just smell it 45 times. Like you don't have to just go to work and. Or you can go to work and make money and cook your meals and do all the things you need to do to just physically survive. But in between, you can just like, you know, cover yourself <laughs> in feathers and run around. But nobody does anything you're not supposed do to do. do like everybody always, kind of. That's why I think it's why I do comedy. <laughs> I think it's I think I do comedy because it feels supernatural. You can just do whatever you want, and if you justify it with, uh, 
with a laugh for people, do you have permission? Um, it reminds me of what, yeah. uh, the phrase, not the phrase, but, um, it just made me think of like, you're showing them human capability. Like this is what you could be doing as a human, but we follow these rules in our life. And like, I'm showing you like, that it doesn't always have to be that way. Like to- you can be totally. this crazy person too. And, and you have. Yeah. It's great. It's grounded in. Yeah. It's all, it's all about being a human being. It's all, it's not mm-hmm. senseless and uh, totally yeah. ridiculous, but I mean, like, you why tell, not? Like, realistic stories, like relatable yeah. stories, I should yeah. say, but you'd I add just try that, to like... paint it with right. some level of absurdism because that's real too. Why not? That's yeah. weird see different things a lot of that comes from truth i've noticed like a lot of comedy and a lot of sarcasm comes from that truth element so mm-hmm. yeah i love yeah. that so funny so what do you like what's your perspective on the performing industry like where do you see it right now where do you see it going as an industry right now this is less true <laughs> f- like five years ago Um, but it was, I mean, it was coming and I think everybody knew that, but things are so factioned now because of obviously social media, because you can just subscribe to your favorite creators or comedians or whatever directly. You can pay just them for it. Most of them give it away for free. You don't need network television to be a success. Most of the the biggest comedians now are not even guys who like are on a sitcom on (laughs) ABC or whatever. They're just a guy with a podcast Uh, on the weekends goes and plays stadiums. Like yeah, the their podcast, the biggest comedians. Really? Yeah. Man, I oh yeah, it's like Joe all the podcasts I like listens to. Joe Rogan, he's like the yeah, Burt Kreischer. Podcast. Yeah, all these guys are just guys who yeah. go right to their audience. And so, what yeah. it did is it kind of it kind of broke the model and sort of destabilized like the central power, which is like you know these these TV channels um, and these these networks and studios that used to be able to decide who was going to enter the system and be the next comedian that Mm. you knew about. And I was kind of the primary way now. um, I mean, I make a living making, excuse me, making comedy videos on apps. That's what I'm doing right now. Um, So, and you know, I have so cool. Yeah. You have more power and control over like the content you put out. You're not like subjected to whatever the, um, the network wants you to produce or wants you to be or act like, is that true or? I mean, it's true, but the same problems persist in now, um, more nuanced place. It's like the thing of the network giving us notes or trying to control what it, that just happens everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, your bargaining chip though is stronger now. It used to just be what you offered creatively. Now it's that the audience came with you. So if you want this audience, if you want to advertise to the people that listen to my show, uh, you have to play by my rules a little bit more. There's still like a, hmm. okay. a, a, a tug there, but at the end of the day, if you, what you want is to be able to give your material to as many people as you possibly can, there's now a direct channel to do so. Other things have started to interrupt that channel because like, you know, where there's money to be made, the sharks come in and now it's like, you know, 10,000 followers isn't enough and and 
200,000 isn't enough. And Mm -hmm. to be able to get on this program to do your thing, you need a million people. And so there's, there's now all these other roadblocks and the game just Mm -hmm. keeps evolving. And you're always like chasing the, the, you know, the goal in, in a new way that they've invented to try to squeak themselves in there. (laughs) Uh, but, but there is uh it's opened up enough that if you want it, you can find a way to succeed. Just sounds a little more accessible than, uh, than the, the old route, like the, the traditional route of being a comedian definitely sounds a lot more accessible right now. There were, there were fewer successes by the nature of that design. And so if you didn't fit uh, mold really specifically, you, I mean, the conversation was over before you even a part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Right. Do you think it's over saturated? I hate using that word, but <laughs> just, I feel like now it's like anybody can do this or mm. people think that yeah. anybody can do Is the problem with accessibility like, as well. Right. I just wonder yeah. if that's something you see. I, I do. I, I think yeah. it's a good and a bad thing. I think I have mixed feelings about it because these days, uh, you know, you can pick up your phone and make what you describe as comedy by being silly or whatever with really no education in what makes it good. And if for some reason that maybe even your fans or you don't understand, you could blow up and be known globally. Um, (laughs) That doesn't make it the real shit. Right. Being the real shit matter no otherwise it wouldn't otherwise it would matter if it mattered you know what i mean it would make it would change right. the outcome of who's who's known um so that's actually a great thing because it means that we mm-hmm. all now have the power before it was 10 people had the power right, now right. it's ever it's a monkey's paw situation right where it's right. like man none of us can get on tv and be famous comedians <laughs> now everybody can so how do you Literally. do you enjoy Just start that? a youtube channel <laughs> Honestly. right so, you know, I part of me hates it because, you know, sometimes I'll be scrolling and I'm like, man, why didn't this thing I made pop off? Like, it, it's really I know it's good. And then I'll scroll past a video of a guy eating Cheerios that has 500 million views. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Why? Uh, so it's frustrating. It's certainly frustrating. But the thing is, like, yeah. my my video doesn't scratch the same itch as that other thing. It's not right. that. So why would it get what that gets? And like you have to remind yourself of that. Right. I like you know too, cause you are, it doesn't, it sounds like you're, you're not taking it personally, maybe because you trust and know yourself so well. So, I mean, I think like to summarize all everything, you know, we've talked about, but I just think that knowing yourself is really the key to tapping into like your artistry or mm-hmm. your success or, you know, your, your path in life. It's really just knowing yourself mm-hmm. because then you're not going to like compare yourself to other people or get stuck in those like expectation spirals or right right well that's the other thing too is um you know uh like I, I think your goals are your fears or rather that's that's what they're supposed to be um when you think about like what is it that i want to achieve uh what is my definition of success i think your definition of success for anybody is the thing you think you can't do or the thing you feel you are too scared to do, that's that's what you're supposed to do. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel that way or you wouldn't know. You'd have no inkling. Why does anybody know what their goals are? Because mm-hmm. either they know because they want them and they feel it and they tell mm-hmm. themselves this is what it is. And if you don't, the only way you could possibly find out is by investigating what it is that you are scared of mm-hmm. or what it is that you don't think you could do. Because if you don't think you could do it, that means you're thinking about it. That means you're unsure and it makes you insecure and you're scared because failing at it might mean something to your total self-value. And Mm -hmm. it's actually quite simple, I think. So Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, so this year uh, I auditioned for SNL and it was not something I was like really, I had really actively thought about in, you know, the five, six years before. Um, but I started thinking about what would be the hardest thing that scares me most that would really hurt me if I didn't get it. That also would take the most work because that the other thing about being a comedian is you're inventing your own job. Mm-hmm. What do you do? It's not like you, it's not like there is a place called comedy and you walk in and you do your standup and if it's good they pay you and if it's bad they don't you have to find a place to perform you have to build your own material you have to perform it to the point of perfection you have to get your name out there and get new opportunities every single day so you're inventing tasks for yourself constantly so i just Mm -hmm. said well fuck all that i'm not trying to do every little annoying thing what's the biggest thing i could do and what's the most amount of work i could have to have and I, okay, well, it's, well, it's that. So then I did these, uh, these character. I think at the time I had gotten some interest in submitting for SNL. It was some point in December. So I said, okay, there's 121 days until they told me I would need to submit a video. I will just do a brand new SNL style character every single day until that day. And it'll be the best way to build material to submit. And it'll also prepare me for the job if I could get it. And it was a Herculean effort. And Mm -hmm. I, I hated it. It wasn't even fun. And I was like, I was like, good, perfect. What this shouldn't be fun. It should be be fun. Hard work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It should be fun after when you go, ah, I did it today. I didn't think I was going to have it. And I got it. I'm proud of myself. You really pushed yourself. I just love the way you think about goals. Like we love goal setting. (laughs) We We love it. And we just were so like ambitious about things. And I just love the way that you looked at goals. You were like, why are you going to create goals that you already know you can do? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's not a goal. What you fear and what you don't want to do right now. Safe goal. Right. And I I just love that you said that because it's like, we're scared of so many things. We're We're scared of you know, the big things, the big things that we are self-conscious about and we don't think we can do based on our ego. And when you were talking about like, oh, you know, they bumped my video to a guy with Cheerios, it just reminded me about auditions. Like, and I'm so glad you said that, Danielle, because it's so much like auditioning when you are online so much and, um, and your material isn't, isn't met uh, the way that you wanted it to. And yeah. you, you took that as fuel for goal setting. And um, I love that. I think people are just so afraid of like who, like what would happen to them if they don't achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. And actually 
if even if they were to not achieve that goal, you'd probably be a better person for it. You absolutely will. You'd push yeah. yourself way past your comfort zone. Mm. And whatever comes out of that is going to be the thing, you know, or whatever. Yes, it's going 100%. to be the path for you. You're going to know yourself more. Yep. So it's always, it's Growth always comes a from that effort. Thing Another yourself. thing too is like, you know, if, if the thing that you want to happen doesn't happen and you honestly tried your hardest yeah. to make it happen, yes. then, then what happened is the, is the real, the real answer. Yeah. You know, like if you don't know what two plus two is and you try and whatever you get is what the fuck it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. there's, there's no, Oh, I could have been, if I did this, no, what you did is who you are. That's mm, what it is. Yes. All of you and what you're going to be is fucking already here. Yeah. yeah. And it's up to you to pursue it. And to the degree that you pursue it, whatever ends up mm. being is that's who you are. And I think that's a really good thing. I think that's amazing. That means that you don't, there's no mystical answers. There's no <laughs> fate that is undiscovered that it's just going to suddenly one day. It's like, no, do it. Go do what you want to have done. It's like so simple, really, right? Like whatever you do is done. That's, mm, well, what do you yeah. want to be done? Then do it. <laughs> it's just I like, think that's just, that's the biggest lesson from, from what you have said about your life thus far. It's like you were so tied to a specific outcome that you were not even paying attention to the growth of the journey at no. all. And I think that um, what you're saying is so important. Like we need to be also focusing on like who we're becoming in the process of that main mm-hmm. goal, like who, it, and the outcome is irrelevant. Like, yes, it, you should be working towards it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but we should also be looking at who we're becoming as people. And this that's the thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Isaac and I are watching like a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race right now. And <laughs> so related. <laughs> obsessed, obsessed. It is related because all of these all of these queens they're working towards that one goal of getting the crown, right? But obviously the majority of them don't make it because it's one out of, you know, right. 15 girls or whatever that go on the show get it, gets it. So, but all of them leave saying how proud they are of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not like I didn't get it. I suck. They, they're, they're always leaving. They're like, I'm so proud of myself. I challenged myself. I did something that I never thought I could do. And mm. I learned so much about myself and they have these like great lessons. And then they become these, these successful drag queens, you know, no matter right. what, and even if they don't your, win. Only one can win. Right. And so your perception of success is based on the thing they told you, but the reason you're doing it isn't for the thing they told you. Right. That's not why right. you, you know, if they say, oh, we have this comedy competition, only one person can win. The the thing you hope to achieve is the thing they told you about is the, the first prize comedy award. But that's not why you're in the competition. Nobody just goes, oh, I guess I'll fucking be a comedian then to win that. <laughs> it's like, no, you already are who you are. Right. And that thing is just like a nice little beacon that points you in the right direction of what you're supposed to be going for. But right. Like, you know, even with something like Saturday Night Live, I, I didn't fucking know what Saturday Night Live was before I was alive. It's not why I'm alive. I, when I turned, you know, when I found out about that, I was like, oh, that's nebulously in the world of the things I'd like to do. That's a good anchor. I'll shoot my grappling hook on that and see where it where it pulls me. But like, I don't right. fucking care. You know, it's a show that somebody else made up. I don't <laughs> 
And that's what people say. Like, I always dreamed of being on Broadway. It's the only thing I ever. I'm like, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) Somebody just incepted you so hard that you need Broadway or you're gonna die. Uh, You got you got fucking pranked, bro. Do you know how many people had a chance to be on the thing they made up? What? Do you know how many people need to hear what you just said? I know, like, thank you for saying that. It's so fucking crazy. It's like, (laughs) no, it is. It's like being like the only food is a whopper. The only food is a whopper. I'll only eat a whopper. There's yeah. you, you can eat anything. Nothing else can yeah. satiate me. If, that's, if you that's... like if you don't design your own success, yes. then you're a fucking joke. Like because <laughs> because really you got you heard God. it from Nick Callis. I mean it, dude. I there are very few things I'll get this passionate about, but like <laughs> I swear to God, if somebody else literally designs your success then what are you? You're a cog. Like you don't get to even choose what you want. Somebody else picked your thing. It's bananas, bro. I want to make films because that's a form that I love because it, it has the highest capability of expressing the things that I want to express in the ways that I find interesting to express them. I love visual art. I love music. I love dialogue. Oh, film. That's a perfect way to put my things out into the world. Mm. But I could also do something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if one day uh, Sony Pictures says, you'll never make a movie for us, I'm not going to fucking kill myself. It's yeah. their company. Who cares? That's yeah. fine. Don't have It doesn't me. define you. It's not your identity. It's so we people talk- suck. We <laughs> talk so Fucking much believe about- in yourself. Believe in yourself. Yes. You're also a guy. They made that up. You make up something. You're (laughs) a person too. You could fuck. You could, like, I just. I understand. You could have. You could. (laughs) Fire the fire. You could have sex with that person if you want. You know what I mean? Like, you could have lunch with them. They're also a human being. They're not your God. Like, it's. Yeah. Oh, we gosh, we put, we put things on pedestals. <laughs> we could literally talk about this specific topic for days <laughs> because we have hit on this so many times and uh, we're just trying to get people out of the habit of really thinking of their success as one way, as one direction and doing nothing else or feeling horrible about themselves if they don't achieve it. And yeah. what you said is so accurate. Your your body doesn't know if you won or lost the dance competition. Your body does know (laughs) if you had more in the tank and you didn't give it your all. Your Mm. emotion. If you if you did the competition with a blindfold on and with earplugs in, and they said the winner, and you didn't know if you danced your fucking ass off, you would feel as good as if you won. Yes. You know if yes, you're doing exactly. it. Exactly. If somebody else can determine whether or not you succeeded, then you failed because then your own actions don't dictate the outcome. So then it doesn't matter if you do them. It doesn't Oof. matter if you do your your best if someone else decides what the best is for you. It it makes no sense. And this is the reason why you go going back to the dark side of the, the ambition and the grit. Excellent. This is what I struggle with is, um, you know, I, I set up my camera and I'm doing these scenes or I have a self tape audition or I'm trying to like nail this character thing I'm working on. If I can't get it, I hate myself. I really hate myself in a way that is it's honestly, it's damaging and it, it's hard to come back from immediately. It 
throws me through a loop for a few hours. And sometimes there's collateral damage. Like, you know, my girlfriend will be working with me and I'll, I'll maybe I'll snap a little bit and I'm horrible to be around and not being able to get your best out of yourself is a way bigger punishment than somebody else saying like, sorry, next. <laughs> Who cares? Fuck them. They don't know. They're not in you. They didn't have to do it. You decide if it was good enough. That's when I stopped filming is when it was good enough because mm. I know. And then if you put it on TikTok and it doesn't get a million views, then like it's not that's not what it's for. That's not the success of something is what other people decide. Mm. Is value. And there are so many factors that contribute to TikTok videos being viewed or, you know, a casting director deciding that this person's perfect for the role. It really, it's, it's so not personal. It, it, there's so no. many factors that like you can't even comprehend no. and it doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you, if you felt like you did the best you possibly can, right. That's it. Like then you, you did it. You succeeded. Even if you got two views, you know, I mean, I think we say that about this podcast, even we're like, I don't even, you know, if, 20 people listen to this, like, but we know that we're putting out something that we really feel great about. Yeah. We're happy. This is 100%. success to us. Then we don't need thousands of listeners. If, you know, just to, you know, reach a certain level of what, you know, people think, we is think success. Success. and just, just to be okay with it, because right. then the thing that you're depending on is, is actually quite literally an illusion, right? Like mm -hmm. any piece of information is an illusion. Uh, so if you record an amazing episode and you go, this is it, we made an amazing episode. And then you decide amongst yourselves that it's really only amazing if we can get at least a thousand views, right, which, right. which is arbitrary. <laughs> right. And then, and then, you know, you, you upload it, you close the laptop and then yeah. I run over and I go, Hey guys, did you check? It got 2000 views. Then both of you suddenly magically out of nowhere <laughs> are convinced enough to feel good, but right, maybe right. I lied to you and I walk away. So the, the universal truth is actually that it's not good enough, but you feel that it is chemically fully yeah, convinced. So right. it's a fucking illusion. It's all an illusion. So the only thing that actually is real is what you leave the table with. If you feel good about it when you're done, then it then it is good. Then it mm. is good. That's just yeah. what it is. Damn. I'm on it. It's good. I'm having fun. It's, it's a success. Retweet. Retweet. Uh, having Dude. you on this podcast has been an incredible pleasure because you have really just validated everything that we say all the time. Wow. Awesome. And like put it in your own twist, and, which yeah. I think is like so it's just a new interesting take on it. Mm. And I appreciate that because I think yes. I'm glad. people learn from hearing different perspectives. You know, if they just 100%. heard Gina and I say the same thing over and over again. They're like, the we get way, it, girls. They're like, yep. shut up. You know, <laughs> but if you hear from someone else differently, then my mission you know. statement really in life please and tell I us because uh, the longer you do it you do try to boil down what it is that you are actually trying to say not even to other people but what are you trying to say to yourself and for me both are fucking believe in yourself <laughs> whoever you are i want to walk around earth if i could be immortal i would just do one thing i would just walk around and go fucking believe in yourself there's no point in life where if you heard that it wouldn't be helpful no matter who you are, where you are, it could, it could stop a guy from cheating on his wife. You go, hey, fucking believe in yourself. You'd go, yeah, what am I doing? And then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it could be anything. It could be anything in the world. You just go, whoever you are, it's there. It's, it's who you are. Trust that and try harder. Because <laughs> if you believe in yourself, you'll try harder because you know it'll work. Mm -hmm. But if you don't believe in yourself, you're not even going to go through with it because you're scared, you're scared to fail because you don't believe in yourself because you're a bitch. Don't be a bitch. Fucking believe in yourself. Go. <laughs> Done. You did it. You're going to feel oh, great God. later. That's 
Stop. Oh my God. I love All that. I have to say is mic drop and we have some rapid fire questions for you that oh, we no. like to end our podcast on. So we have about four. Okay. Ready? Okay. Number one, what's your favorite impression that you do and then do it? Um, <laughs> Eminem. Okay. Oh, Slim Shady. I'm fucking ill. I'll stab a giraffe in the neck with a fucking broken piece of a vacuum that I grabbed from out of the closet when my mom was yelling at me. I don't even know what she was saying. Probably something about dinner, but it doesn't even matter. Is it chicken? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> that was so accurate. I know. I forgot I loved your evident video. I yeah. also remember in the um in the bio, you said rapper. So good. So okay, there good. we go. You got a taste of that rap. So good. Um, I, I know you touched on this a little bit, but number two is who's your favorite comedian? Uh, all time, Jim Carrey. Oh, God, I love that guy. Can totally see that influence in you. He's so good. <laughs> so good. Number three. So what is your biggest health hack? Because I know that you are a healthy, fit dude. So what's your biggest health hack? Hack, hack, uh, hack. Uh, what, hmm. Yeah. Uh, or like workout, tip or... workout yeah. really hard. <laughs> workout, workout, workout more. Workout, you know what? Okay, here, here's, here's the really actually a good piece of advice. Uh, <laughs> every single day, just do a little bit. Because if you work, don't work out really hard one day or a few days a week, you won't keep doing it. Yeah. Just do a little bit every day. Work out for 20 minutes a day. You'll do it every day. You'll look forward to it. I love that. You're, tr you're trying to be jacked next year. You're not trying to be jacked tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. It's not going to work. You got to do it all the time. You're such like a futurist. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Last question. We ask all of our guests this. What does on stage with wellness mean to you? Fucking believe in yourself. <laughs> you want to feel well on stage? Fucking believe in yourself. I love that. I love that. Bringing it back to the mission. Great. Bringing it back to the mission. So good. Simple uh, summary. Love oh it. my God. Nick, you are hilarious and I loved oh. having you. Where can our uh, listeners find you? Hey, folks. I am at. <laughs> Mr. Nick Callis on all social media platforms. Just search Mr. Nick Callis. You'll find me. How do you spell your last name? C-A-L-L-A-S pronounced Callis. <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, Hispanic viewers, they think it's Callas. Oh, Callas. Yeah. And yeah. It, it is if I you guess. want it to be. I don't care how you say Great. your L's. Yeah. Great. There you go. Just like my name could be Jenna or Gina. Exactly. Exactly. What Whatever is works. Exactly. Whatever works. <laughs> um, Y'all should go check out his Instagram, though. Def I haven't seen. I don't follow. I don't go on TikTok, so I don't know what your TikTok's like. But yeah, we're too old for that. But I know your Instagram, <laughs> and those videos are fierce and hilarious. Mm. And everyone should definitely go check out those Thank you. impressions and characters and follow Mr. Nick Callas for your daily comedy. That's it. I don't so know. good. Daily comedy something. <laughs> I thought you were going to say into something else. I love you both. Oh, thank you, we Nick, you. so much for joining us. We really, really enjoyed this chat. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Hey, creatives. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. 
We are beyond grateful for your interest and support in our conversation. We hope you'll tune in each week for fresh new content and some inspiration from wherever you are in the world. Whether you're a working performer right now or not, we know that you'll benefit from listening to this podcast. At this time, it's vital that we all support each other. So make sure to share this episode with a fellow creative who needs to hear this. If you like what you hear, write us a review on iTunes. Share with us what you liked and what you want to hear more of. This will help us with our mission to support performers with their health and wellness goals. If you write us a review, make sure to email it to us at onstagewithwellness@gmail.com at gmail.com to snag our free meal planning guide. This resource will give you some ideas for a full day of clean eating, plus tips for how you can plan your meals for sustainable energy. Join in our conversation from today's episode over on Facebook and Instagram at Onstage with Wellness. We love hearing and connecting with our listeners from all over the world. Follow Danny at Danny Nicole Wellness and Gina at Fully Loving You. All the links you need will be in the show notes. We can't wait to see you there. Until next time, performers, remember, you know enough, you have enough, and you are enough.